You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. And we'll spin and we got four checks. Let's get the fifth one in here before we're officially wheels off the ground and running Thursday this a, morning. This is a five check show. It is a five check a show. Five check show. You know, forget the stars. This is a five checks, five check show. If you're joining us on Facebook, please do not forget the stars, though. I cannot emphasize that enough. Um, thank you guys for joining us. It is Thursday morning uh, at uh, eight o'clock Mountain Time. And this is, a, of course, your guys' new favorite show. Broncos for breakfast. We've been going strong now for my favorite show. If that means anything, what are, are we on two months now? Have we been probably? I think on? we started a, uh, beginning of April, so we're into into our third. I would think. Well, we started middle of April, so we got started yeah. like, uh, a couple of weeks before the draft, and then we went five days a week draft week. So yeah, this should be this should be eight weeks. Knocking on the door, eight weeks. Wow, man, uh, time flies. Uh, well, thank you guys for joining us today. Like I said, this is Broncos for breakfast every Tuesday and Thursday at eight o'clock. Mountain Time. Um, you can find us both on Twitter, Scott Kennedy at Scout Kennedy, and myself, Nick Kendall at Nick Kendall MHH. <clears throat> also, while you guys are over at uh, Twitter, make sure you follow Mile High Huddle at Mile High Huddle, and also at Huddle Up Pod. Uh, also, guys, if you're joining us today, Facebook that can do us a heck of a lot of good. First off, if you're joining us on Facebook, please drop a like or a heart react. I can see on Facebook, Miguel's already dropped a like, and I can see uh, we have a heart from uh, Don as well over on Facebook. So if you guys would click the thumbs up, the care react, the heart react, et cetera, et cetera, that would do us a lot of good while you're over on Facebook too. Please go to facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and also facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. Uh, join those pages, join the discussion. It's a good time. I know football's we're in the midst of a uh, mandatory mini camp. We're going to be the dead period here for a bit, but uh, it's never really dead period. We always have stuff to talk about, especially when we get into the, the nerdy nitty gritty of football. Like that article I sent you yesterday, Scott, and if you guys are joining us on YouTube today, please subscribe, like, and share um, to the Mile High Huddle page. Uh, obviously, we appreciate Super Chats, Stars, Super Stickers, everybody that does that. But not everybody's always in a position to give. We appreciate that. I totally understand that. But totally free to you guys and can help us just as much if you guys subscribe, like, and share to this page. Also, if you guys are liking this content, please go to Scott's page as well at YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott Kennedy. I'm going to drop is a sub subscription there in the chat as well. I'm going to pull that up there real quick. So if you guys just click that link, it'll take you to Scott's page. Like I said, we're in the off season, but there's a lot of stuff that can be covered uh, during the off season, especially when you have as much freedom uh, to do what Scott does over on his page. So uh, anything too new going on? I know you're in the midst of like a lot of baseball stuff going on, but the <laughs> elevator pitch. Uh, yeah, right now I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of throwback things going back through the archives. So we did Tyree Cleveland. I went and found AJ Brown yesterday. He was in the news mm-hmm. and it was interesting with AJ Brown, uh, the Tennessee Titans at the end of his uh, end of that clip that I put up yesterday, it says, I want to be a teacher or a coach. So when I posted that one on Twitter, I'm like, well, he's already the best recruiter. I, I'd hire this guy. You know, he's recruiting. He's been recruiting Julio Jones since January. So yeah. So when he's done, he'll he'll have a job somewhere as an ace recruiter. Just make him a running backs coach. They don't do anything anyway except recruit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Shots fired. Honestly, this is maybe a request. You guys, let us know in the comment section what you'd like Scott to work on. Because uh, obviously, we're trying to get some traffic over there and get some eyeballs over there. So let us know what you want. Personally, I think something that would be really interesting given his uh, career path. 
um, would be uh, Alexander Johnson breakdown from when he was in college. Cause that dude, but he had like 150 tackles his sophomore year, junior year or something. Some people thought he'd be a first rounder. Some people thought he'd be a third rounder. Obviously the off the field stuff caused him to uh, not play for a few years until he was 27. But uh, he's an interesting one. I have, there's definitely ample tape out there for Tennessee. So he's a fun one. Uh, I'd be interested in personally, but uh, yeah, you guys go check out Scott's channel and uh, let's get the ball rolling. But before we get too far off the ground, let's say hello. Hello. We got Mac 85 city coming in here saying, good morning, guys. I'm ready for the pod to start so I can listen while I work. Well, Mac, uh, I won't tell your boss. If uh, you don't tell my boss, sounds like a song. Oh, wait, was that snow white whistle while you work? Yes. Yes, exactly. One of the seven dwarfs coming in there. Uh, We got Dave Glassman with the, uh, orange and blue heart thank you very much dave we appreciate ej ej joining us today on time not late um good morning nick and scott and broncos country good to see you we have buona beast is in the house as well as a uh, listener today buona hope you're doing well miss you buddy um morning everyone and i'll see you saturday buona we got sliding guide bros uh sliding glide bros back for a uh, another day here uh, don't recognize you from before but uh, welcome back over on youtube what up fellas I'm doing pretty well. It's like a border um, to me. I like, I, I never did, uh, I never did, so I didn't start skiing until I was 30. So I didn't snowboard. I'm like, I'm not good enough a skier to try and learn something new. So, um, but I, it looks like a lot of fun. So sliding glide, I, I like the name. I really want to get more into skiing now that I'm out here in the Pacific Northwest. Not really good skiing besides cross country in Iowa. And a lot of people do like winter climbs and then ski their way down. Um, which seems like that would be a lot of fun. Also a way to get down off the mountain pretty darn quickly. Uh, Mo Ron coming in here saying, Buenos Dias, Nick and Scott. Uh, good Buenos morning. Dias. Buenos Dias. I, uh, I took French and I was not very good at it. I was a, I was a naughty nerd. You know, I, te- I teased the teacher a lot just because I was getting good grades and I didn't care about French. <laughs> I know, I know, I know enough Spanish to be, uh, to be functional. That's, uh, that's about it though. I have my phone. Thank God for that. Is that tr- translating? <laughs> um, Jamal Killings in the house too. Good morning, uh, Bronco fam. Hi, mile high salute. Good morning to you, Jamal. Hope you're doing well. Uh, KB82 saying good morning with Drew and Teddy being 1A and 1B. Does this mean as a wrap on Rippin making the 53-man roster? Uh, this is a good question. I don't know if it's uh, totally a wrap, but uh, we saw last year that Brett Brett's going to make a good coach someday, right? He's one of those guys. It kind of reminds me of... Uh, Kellen Moore, another Boise State guy who was in the league for a couple of years, uh, quarterback three, and now he's the offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. And a lot of the coaches, players have uh, praised Brett Rippon's uh, mind and work ethic, but just he's not he's a not enough guy, right? He's not athletic enough. He's not big enough. He doesn't have enough arm talent, and that's okay. He's gonna, he's making money in the league right now, and I think he is going to end up a a solid coach out there at some point. And he's a quarterback too, right? Like he's got, he's got it made if he wants to go into the, the uh, coaching circle. Don't you, don't you keep three? Aren't, aren't three on the active roster typically anyway? I mean, I, it's, what's one of those things I'm getting old enough, like things change and I forget, I didn't notice that they change, but you always, always kept three on the 53 man. Cause you, you keep three on the active. Uh, typically. typically. Yeah. Typically you have, but I think there's been more of a, uh, more teams have started to go with two. Uh, sometimes, especially if you have uh, two that you are pretty confident in as far as like starting caliber. So I could see the Broncos going with two. Um, but uh, right now, I think Rippon's probably pretty safe as the third. It, it just depends on if they like a wide receiver enough or a cornerback enough or something like that uh, to move on from them. Um, so I see we have a uh, $5 euro coming in here, but let's get to Dom real quick saying, uh, good morning, Nick and Scott. How are you fellas doing this morning? Can't wait for next month training camp. Broncos for life. Well, we appreciate you, Dom. Thank you so much. Uh, Max Power coming in with the five dollar euro. That's not pound. the pound sign. That's the pound. Ah, oh, man. Pound. I, I gotta get myself. you more into soccer so you can see the difference. 
between oh, man. the pound and the euro. Max has been on before, so yes. you have to remind me who your team is, Max. Because if you're if you're writing in pounds, you've got a team. Is it, are you our Leicester fan? Was that was that was that Max? Was the Leicester fan? Oh, I'm just um, going to tease him. The Leicester. Well, I, I, I need to talk with Chad about some stuff here in the in the near future, anyway. So I'll, I'll make sure that he knows that uh, that he didn't read it because you you criticized Locke. Um, I like to get both sides of the story. <laughs> Just hey, drop like it in I, here. We'll talk about it here. Yeah, I know no, that we're, we, we, we're certainly we're we're not above criticism of anyone, including ourselves. Especially um, <laughs> if, if we keeping it, yeah. As long as we're keeping it constructive and you know not personal, yeah. and making valid points, and you know not being just a troll. But you know who's paying five five uh, five pounds to be a troll? Not Max. No, no, not at all, Max. If you drop it in here, I'd love to get into it and. Uh... The uh, Broncos for breakfast will make sure that you are seen. You are seen, Max. A uh, DBA saying, "What's up, Sko Broncos?" Uh, I think he was trying to go with the the skull there, the skull Vikings. Dion's in here saying, "Good morning, Nick." Dion, Scott's right here. It's right here. You got to say hi to Scott too. Uh, Matt Henry in the house as well, um, and taking in that sunset. I I recognize you, Matt. Hey, welcome back. Good morning, guys. Let's go Broncos. Dom is in the house. He was one of our first likes in here, so I appreciate you. Watch you guys every Thursday morning at work. Best Broncos podcast. Broncos for breakfast. Well. What's up with Tuesday morning, Dom? If we're the best, you better do both days. No, appreciate you so much, Dom. That's so nice. Uh, good afternoon, Nick and Scott. Afternoon. Let us know where you're from, Stephen. Um, ready for another BFB? Go Broncos. Stephen is my name. Yeah. That was Steve. Braveheart. He was from Ireland. Okay. Well, he's maybe across the pond there. Greg Smith is in the house, too. I love Greg. Greg always says hello and goodbye. And uh, that's we appreciate you, Greg. I see you. Uh, Michael's in the house. Good morning, Nick and Scott from Bronco for Broncos for breakfast. Tim Durr is in the house. Good to see you. Dion's back in here. So I understand that we missed out on our QB of the future. He is now in Chicago. Um, <clears throat> if Scott and I were both wearing the general manager hat, uh, Justin Fields would probably be a Bronco right now. Actually, Justin Fields would be a Falcon if Scott was wearing his general manager hat with the, <laughs> the Falcons. Um, but uh, yeah, Justin Fields would probably be a Bronco. And that doesn't Justin take away Fields from... gotten past four if I was in charge. And did you hear them talk about how... Um, they're probably going to take Trey Lance if he was there. Did you hear the general manager talk about that? Um, okay, you know, again, for me, that trust your evaluations. We've you've heard me use that phrase before. If you like mm-hmm. Trey Lance better than Justin Fields, so be it. Um, yeah. You're at least going in the same direction that way. You're still at least focusing on a rebuild instead of trying yeah. to, you know, again, the whole idea of this win now mentality in Atlanta was asinine. Not with that defense, you know. Just yeah. no. There's going to be improvement, but. The, the question is, is how long can Matt Ryan play? You get four or five years out of him? Okay, that that's fine then. I mean, kind of like, let's bring up Aaron Rodgers right now. You know, if they, they drafted Jordan Love because Aaron Rodgers was getting older. Well, Aaron Rodgers has been playing at a high level since that has happened, and he just mm-hmm. won an MVP. So I can see that, that, you know, where that that is like, okay, maybe you shouldn't have taken Jordan Love because Aaron Rodgers is ready. But, you know, um Green Bay Packers are also much farther ahead than Atlanta. Atlanta is in need of a rebuild. Is it going to be in need of a quarterback? I thought they should have taken a quarterback. If they had taken Trey Lance, I wouldn't have necessarily agreed with it, but it would have made more sense to me yeah. than, than Kyle Pitts. Yeah, and this is that's not at all a uh, this is not at all a slight on uh, Patrick Sertan, who's apparently been incredible. It's the same vein as a uh, for me as Bradley Chubb, who has been one of the top fifteen edge rushers in football, probably one of the best under twenty five year old players in football. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's great. Uh, what have the Broncos done since they drafted him? Uh, it's just been a, they've been in purgatory with the quarterback position. So, yeah, you're always searching until you find that guy, but I'm still very happy about having Patrick Sertan. He's going to be a lot of fun and a position of value for a long time. So yeah, but whatever. What was, what was the mantra of this draft? If you're drafting in the top 10, you're either going to get your quarterback of the future or an impact player. Yep. 
that's a lot of fun. This was this this draft was a lot of fun. Um, you know, real quick, and then then I won't talk Atlanta until it, it comes up again. But Malcolm asks, and Malcolm's one of our regulars too. So, uh, Scott, your trades on Atlanta's second round trade with Denver. Um, I really like the trade for Atlanta. This to me is how you work a draft because they still got the guy they wanted. They traded down to let me see forty. And they yeah. still got Richie Grant. Richie Grant was the guy they needed. They they had to have a starting safety out of this draft. So when you can move down, still get the guy you want, fill a need, and pick up an extra draft pick, you, you win. You're 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 winning the draft. Um, for the Broncos, I don't remember what they gave up for that pick. Was it an extra fourth? Wasn't it? Didn't they trade yeah. a fourth? It was like one seventeen. They didn't move up a ton, and to get the guy they wanted. To get a, a plus running back, a guy that, that you need, that that wasn't too expensive. So mm-hmm. it was one of those things where I think it was a good trade for for both teams. But but that was what I wanted Atlanta to do in that four spot. They needed multiple players. They yeah. they needed multiple players. Um, so trading down would have been the, – the dream spot would have been getting that deal that Miami got from San Francisco. That would have been a general manager's dream. Yeah, totally. I mean – I don't love trading up for running back, but I'm happy to have Javonta Williams. Yeah, right? and it wasn't that expensive. No, right? I mean, it, it wasn't. It's not like you didn't you didn't move up and trade up a, a second rounder to move into the first to get Najee Harris. You know, yeah, you it was it was fairly <laughs> inexpensive. Yeah, uh, I think Matt Henry in here says, um, "I heard you guys are working on getting the show every day." I, honestly, Matt, I think that's going to be up to me and Nick. That yeah. that will be when we feel comfortable that we've got enough content to do a good show five or more days a week. I'll, I'll ask Nick. So that, that one's going to be up to us for the most yeah. part, um, one way or another. And, and right now, uh, you know, I don't feel like I have enough Broncos knowledge or enough to give you guys to go five days a week. And that's not fair to you. That's not a good product. And I don't want to do that. A couple times a week right now is a lot of fun. And as mm-hmm. we get into uh, preseason, there's a pretty good chance we'll want to go five days a week. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Matt, uh, keep your keep your eyes out. Keep your ears out. Also, want to say hello to Tim Durr, Kevin Gray, U.S. Dave, Des, Malcolm Brown, Gary Neighbors in the house as well. Uh, all these people. Thank you very much. Um, good morning to you as well. Bob Skinner's in the house. Uh, Stuart McNair as well. Um, here he goes. Good morning, guys, from a Broncos fan in Montreal, up north there, uh, over the border. A bit of Broncos history. Former Bronco defensive end. Harold Hasselback started his career in the CFL for the Calgary Stampeders. Well, thank you very much for the history. Um, I'm again, congratulations on the uh, CFL coming back, right? I think their, their season's going to be kicking off here pretty soon. So uh, also a shout out to everybody in Arizona or somewhere where it's hot right now. Uh, how are, is it, are you melting down in Georgia right now? Where the rest uh, of the it's actually, we had a cool spell. Uh, it was like, you know, wake up and it was like 58 degrees and high of 85 and it was nice. So it's, it's going to be hot again this weekend for, for baseball. There's like uh 111 new teams from all of, from like um, 25 different states that are playing in a big perfect game. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, one of the questions that just hit me about that was um, I forgot what I say. It'll come back to me. Move on. Okay. And Gary leads Palmer always dropping stars for us, Gary. We appreciate you. He says, hello, Nick and Scott and Broncos country. So to hello to everybody else out there as well. Um, so, you know, appreciate you. We got Trevor coming in as well. Uh, Trevor Claiborne. Appreciate you, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, and here we go. Uh, Scott might not be might not be able to answer this one, but uh, slide and glide, bros. What quarterbacks do you guys like in next year's draft class? Um, well, at this point, I would say that next year's draft class is not as uh, talented as this one was because of how much we knew about 
uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields a year ago at this point. And I mean, Trey Lance too, right? He didn't even play a snap this last year and still went through overall. So um, I would say that it doesn't, it's not as top heavy. You're not going to see three guys go in the top three. That's pretty historic. Um, but I think there are some talented guys next year. I got to say, I'm not as big of a fan of Sam Howell as many people are. I think he's solid, but this like no doubt top 10 quarterback. Uh, I, I don't know. I really hate that North Carolina offensive scheme too. I think they don't put very much in the quarterback play. It's a lot of, I mean, when you hear DK Metcalf and AJ Brown talk about it when they were at Ole Miss, same offensive coordinator, they're like, yeah, we didn't run routes. Like, I don't even know what an in is. It's like, oh my God, what are you running? Like, this is division one. Um, uh, so I like uh, Spencer Rattler a lot. He's really talented. The ball pops out of his hand, but apparently he's a little bit of a, uh, not, not really, not really well liked, not the most likable person. Um, we had, a, we had an internal up. ranking for, for, for players, uh, when I was doing rankings at scout for most likely to get your ass kicked by your teammates and he's continue. There. Just wanted to bring yeah. that up. Yeah. He's, uh, really talented. Uh, maybe he can grow up some, I mean, the arm talent, the way he can throw off platform, the ball pops out of his hands. I mean, he, you can see it. It's obvious when you watch him. It's one of those guys you need, you see 10 throws and you're like, yep, that's an NFL arm. Um, my favorite is, uh, he might not be a great NFL quarterback, <clears throat> but he's got an absolute cannon and he's probably the best runner in this class as well. And that's Malik Willis, uh, playing at Liberty this year, transfer from Auburn. Um, he has a ways to go. It's kind of like, he's kind of like diet Lamar Jackson to me, except I think he has better arm talent. Um, but, uh, Ooh, man, that's a bold he, statement. He, the ball pops from his hand. You should go check him out, man. There's some uh, 70 I mean, yard I bombs. Seen, I haven't watched him since, uh, I went over to watch him at Roswell high school, which is 15 minutes that way Yeah, from my house. And, uh, you know, at the time he was being recruited by Virginia tech and they were calling him a, a defensive back. I'm like, well, y'all are going to lose him. You're yeah. going to lose him. Cause he, this is a quarterback and someone can recruit him as a quarterback, honestly. Um, you know, not just, oh yeah, we want you as a quarterback and here's your number 23. As soon as you walk in the door, no, I'm like, this kid is a quarterback. So it was, uh, glad to see that, that work out for him. I'm gonna have to go up and, and dig out his, uh, that's somewhere on my YouTube channel. His, uh, his, his highlights of Roswell when I went to see him, he plays football. Like I did when I played NCAA football, like the video game, right? Like he's throwing for 300 yards and running for 150 and six total touchdowns. I mean, it's just it's a lot of fun. I mean, granted, it's playing for Liberty, but he went up against North Carolina State last year who had NFL talent on all three levels of the defense, and uh, he had a pretty good game. So I'm, I'm really a big fan of Malik Willis. Uh, he's going to need to take some steps forward this year as far as accuracy, processing, but the tools, oh, man, might as well call it home, home improvement, tools for days. <laughs> um, so uh, he's a lot of fun, but uh, we'll see. I think next year we'll, we'll see what the quarterbacks do. It, quarterback independent edge rusher and offensive tackle are positions that this team's going to have to attack. Um, Peter Middleton saying, love this pod watching the heroes. And I listen to b- you both. Well, um, who's playing today? Uh, Ukraine, North Macedonia, and then noon, my noon Eastern time is Denmark, Belgium. That'll be a good game. And mm-hmm. uh, thank God Christian Erickson was okay. Yeah. Um, and then Netherlands, Austria is on at three Eastern. So I'll watch, I'll watch all of those. I'm, I'm almost always dual streaming, dual streaming though. I mean, uh, dual screening when I'm watching those. And I know what I wanted to, to say. It was when we had the CFL comment. I am a fan of the bigger field. You know, the the little bit more wide open, a little bit more space. The the players, you know, if you think about the NBA and the NFL, especially the NBA, and how much bigger and faster that the the, the human beings have gotten and the dimensions haven't changed. I actually like a bit of a bigger field. I think it's something that that could be considered. It, it won't happen anytime soon, obviously, but you know, I, I do, I do like the CFL product with a bigger with the bigger field out there. Yeah, 
Absolutely. It's a lot of fun. Um, also some fun names as well. I always appreciate that. Uh, Joanne James in the house. Are free, are free bagels and coffee included in the show? Tomorrow. Free bagels and coffee tomorrow. Ah, uh, I've seen that in a bar one too many times. Uh, DBA saying it's hot in Colorado. Um, oh my God. K, KB saying it was 147 at times when I was in Afghanistan. Well, first off, I'm assuming, thank you for your service, KB, um, but also, no, thank you. That's a, <laughs> that's a hard pass for me. I, I, I melt no, when it's like 85 and humid. You're staying in shade and you're, you're trying to dig deep and get into a basement. I spend, I spend most of my summer free time in my basement. Now my dog's coming down here and sleeping on the couch too. So he's like, it's hot. Yeah. Nope. Not for me. Hard pass. Uh, Mark Anthony coming in here. Speaking of the dogs, I always love seeing his little, I think it's a European golden there in his picture. Uh, going to be 111 in Central Valley, Cali. So I might burn to death this weekend. Well, please Mark, don't do that. We, uh, we love you too much. Cobra commander in the house. Good uh, sup family. We've got Dale in the house. Good morning, Broncos country. I'm happy to be able to catch a live show. Dale, all these cute puppies in the pictures here. Good to see you. Mike Gibbons. Good morning from Good morning, Nick and Scott from North Carolina. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Mo Ron coming in here saying, I think we've learned by watching the NBA and, H- and NHL and NBA, the key to success is bribing the refs. Uh, well, um, I always feel like blaming the refs is a, uh, the refs are a human, right? They're a variable that can lean one way or the other, and you're not always going to get all the calls. In some games, you're going to get more calls than you should. In some games, you're going to get less calls than you should. But uh, you have to be able to control the controllables. And... Uh, that is what it is, except for the divisional round game in 2012 where the Broncos lost to the Ravens. I will hate Bill Vin- Vin- Bill Vinovich till I go to my grave. That was the worst call game I've ever seen in my life. And uh, that's the one exception for me. I, I'm very upset. Peyton Manning, he had winning records with every single ref in history. And he was like in games that Bill Vinovich coached, like four and 10, which like that's an outlier because Peyton Manning's that good. Like that, there's something funky going on. I'm sorry, but uh Sorry, I'm on a rant now. <laughs> no, I, I I believe in using statistical analysis to predict trends and then try and, and, and pick out the anomalies and then decide why. It's like, oh, well, he was four and 10. Well, he played, those were all divisional championship games or something like that. Um, the only one I saw, because the refs can be bad. I mean, Atlanta mm-hmm. Braves fans will talk about 1997, Eric Gregg behind the plate in a, a, strike, a strike zone that was this far off the plate. That was just bad. I don't think he was doing that against Atlanta. But I always thought when I was a kid watching Atlanta Hawks in the garden against the Boston Celtics was just robbery, was just straight robbery. The old Celtics used to get calls left, right, and center. And I think some football fans might go, yeah, it still happens up in New England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we got some people talking about Jaden Daniels out of Arizona State. He was a pretty highly recruited guy. Um, I will say I am – he's a lot of fun to watch, um, but – my God, he's a beanpole. Like, right, he's like 180 pounds, and he needs to get up to like 205, 210. Otherwise, he's going to – he looks like he's going to snap in half in the NFL. I love the arm talent. I think he's a good athlete, but the body type scares me a lot. He's really slender. Um, also, it sounds like Arizona State uh, – I see a lot of Arizona State comments going on in here. Um, Arizona State is the team. Everybody's been hinting, oh, there's a big bombshell that's going to ruin a bunch of people's legacies. Apparently, it's Arizona State, and there's we're just reaching the tip of the iceberg as far as what's happening here. So, whose legacy? I guess Herm Edwards, who's – you know, liked, but uh, sounds like Arizona state's going to be in some big trouble here coming down the tracks. Yeah. And again, legacy of Arizona state. I mean, no offense to Arizona state sun devils, but they don't have a huge legacy in in football. We're not talking about one of the blue bloods here. Um, You know, it's, it's, you know, out West it's USC and to a certain extent, Washington, and then, you know, UCLA basketball. And after that, you know, we're not talking Michigan, Texas, Ohio state, Notre Dame, Alabama here. Um, so when you start talking about big sh- bombshells, it's going to change legacies of football. That ain't it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, uh, Buana coming in here um, saying roster math. Who are the odd mans out at cornerback and who can last long enough to make the roster squad? Well, the question I think first off is uh, five or six cornerbacks. Um, the way this Broncos team is, and we know that there are three for sure who are safe, safe. And that would be Kyle Fuller, uh, Ronald Darby, and uh, Patrick Sutan. I did not say Bryce Callahan. Um, because Bryce Callahan, if you move on from him, I, I'd be shocked if he was gone. But like, let's say somebody offered you a third round pick or like a fourth and a future fifth, and you could move on from him while getting capital back while clearing seven million from the books with how your cornerback position is. I'd consider that, especially if you if that comes in tandem with a uh, Aaron Rodgers move where you're clearing cap space and adding capital that you're going to need to fill up the roster because you're giving up first round picks, second round picks to bring in Aaron Rodgers. Um, so that's one that's in your back pocket. You don't have to do it, but it is a, it's a card you can play if you have to. Uh, I would be also shocked if uh, Michael Ojemudia didn't make the roster. Um, he was up and down last year, but he was a rookie cornerback, like rookie cornerbacks, especially ones that aren't picked in the top 10 uh, tend to be highly uh, variable. They fluctuate year one. And uh, Ojemudia is a young player, cost-controlled for three more years, uh, showed promise last year, a yeah, good special teams player as well. And uh, they've been talking him up a good bit um, this offseason as well. So I'd be shocked if Ojo Moody left. That leaves um, the one who's on the bubble for me is uh, Kerry Vincent Jr., who seventh-round pick, I believe, this year. Not a sixth, but a seventh. Um, really talented, sat out this last year. And also there is some uh, attitude questions with him at LSU. You know, think he thinks very... This is just totally, you know, hearsay, but um, there's some attitude questions with him that I've been told as far as like, you know, work ethic, you know, how much he thinks of himself, et cetera, et cetera. But really talented, uh, can be a good slot player. Is he a guy who makes a roster this year? Or is he one that uh, practice squad maybe and you put you put him up the chance where somebody could pick him off? That's the one I'm not sure. Um, but those are the names that stick out to me. Everybody else. Thanks for playing. Uh, good luck with wherever you're else playing. And that goes with the saying Bassey as well, who uh, he's just not athletic enough, in my opinion. Uh, solid tackler. But there's so many crosses in the NFL today. He can't keep up. He looks like he's running in quicksand trying to keep up with the crossing rounds. Um, and he's injured as well. So maybe he'll be on the IR. But uh, those are the those are the six names that stick out to me. Yeah, when you, when you first started, I'm thinking young and cheap is an advantage. Yes. You know, that's, that, that's an advantage. That's going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Old and expensive is a bad way to be in life. So... Uh, you know, start looking at that. Start looking at, at, at cap numbers too. When you're when you're close, you're going to go with a younger, cheaper guy. It's just the way it is. That way, you can you can pay your stars more money. The yeah. uh, the money rises to the top in sports. It's a uh, it's it, that it, it's a it's kind of a symbol for the rest of the world. <laughs> Tale as old as time. Uh, Kevin Gray coming in here saying, uh, if we the Broncos have a really good offensive line, the quarterback play will take care of itself. And Kevin, I think this is a trope where, of course, I'd rather have good offensive line play than bad offensive line play. But um, look no farther than the mid-2000s to early 2010s uh, Cleveland Browns. That is a team that was arguably, on paper, the best offensive line for like three to five years in a row. They had Joe Thomas. They had Mitchell Schwartz. They had Alex Mack. They had Joel Patino. Like that, That's an incredible offensive line talent. Their quarterback sucked butt. And that team was constantly winning one or two games. They had an offense, awesome offensive line. If you don't have the quarterback, good luck. We'll see you next year. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no right way to do it for sure. We had this discussion last week. Um, you know, if you're winning one or two games, there's something wrong with your defense too. If if you've got an offense, an offensive line and a defense, there's no way you should win one or two games. And I, and and frankly, you know, having been born in Akron, Ohio, I can say this a little bit, but it's Cleveland. 
speaking of outliers, you know, yeah. have you ever looked at Cleveland anything as a way? Oh, yeah, that's the model. This is how you want to do it. It's it's Cleveland sports. I'm Put a yourself Cleveland LeBron James. born Atlanta sports fan. You know, that's you don't get more cynical than I do. So. Yeah, I just uh, Joe Thomas's career is kind of sad um, in that way is because he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, probably one of the best offensive tackles I've seen uh, start to finish for his career. And, uh, you know, having a Hall of Fame first ballot left tackle is great. If you're wandering the desert for a quarterback, though, only moves the needle so much. That's just how important that position is. And well, their defenses are bad, too. But. I always think about the Detroit Lions in that er- in that area. Yeah, I mean, you've got too. arguably two of the best players at their positions ever. And they both quit early and never played for anything really meaningful. I'm like, that's that's harsh. That's harsh. Yeah. Yep. No, those are uh, hardworking cities. Um, but, uh, you know, that's uh, they deserve some good football teams. Also, the Lions have great uniforms. I'm not so sure about the uh, <laughs> the Browns, but uh, is what it is. Um, <clears throat> let me see. Here we go. This is a good one for you, Scott. Uh, which football, football soccer star do you think would be good at playing football? Um, Scott, I'm going to put that one for you. Uh, my mind goes to uh, somebody with some size that has uh, – I like Marco Royce a lot, so that's when I followed his career because he started off at BBB. Um, so uh, I'll go with Royce, but his injuries kind of kind of concerned me. I'd be real interested to see Adama Traore playing running back. Um, mm-hmm. He is a, a an, an outside winger for um, for Wolves. And if you if you just Google his name real quick, he says he doesn't work out. And that's what Herschel Walker said. I mean, this guy's a tank. Um, but you know, you can always go with some of the bigger guys. You know, you can't tell me that in his prime, Zlatan Ibrahimovic couldn't have played a, a, a tight end type. Or, you know, a big wide receiver type. Um, you know, Ronaldo is a freak of nature. Um, so there, there's a bunch of those guys. And more interesting to me is is if we had taken the last hundred cornerbacks in the NFL and dropped them into academies at the youth level at U eights and let them be soccer players for 15 years. Where would this country be in, in international football? Yeah. So, you know, Christian Pulisic winning the, uh, winning the champions league with Chelsea. I'm like, yeah, great. We really going to make inroads into that middle-class small white kid era in soccer. <laughs> Yeah, like, this isn't exactly Tiger Woods and golf we're talking about. You know, yeah. all those kids already play soccer, so good yeah. for Christian. But that, that's not exactly what we need to raise the profile of the sport in this country. And we got Jeff Jenkins coming here. We talked about this comment a little bit, or this specific topic on Tuesday. Um, and I think he's talking about how the Browns were. Uh, he's retorting my comment where the Browns were nothing, even though they had a good offensive line. Um, the years uh, without quarterback play, and he says, "Yeah, what about Baltimore Ravens with Dilfer? They won a Super Bowl." Uh, that's a good comment. That's a good point. Um, I will say that that is very much an outlier team. Um, you're talking about a team that had uh, three to four Hall of Famers um, on all sides of the defense. That was probably one of the best. That 0-2 Ravens defense, arguably one of the top five, top ten all time. And uh, ball bounced their way, too. Right? They got they lucky. Time, they they running back. They could run the ball and they could play defense. You needed a game manager, and that's what that's what Trent Dilfer was. Um uh, one of the phrases I use, you guys will, this isn't the first time you'll hear it. This is not the last time you'll hear it with a small enough sample size. I can prove anything you want. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, if you have an all time defense and you're, that's one, that's one unit. And it's also, you're not talking about like, when you just talk about the offensive line, that's like saying, um, okay, you have an all time defensive line, but the, the, your linebackers in secondary are average or worse. Okay. Well, that's great. 
Um, but we're talking about an all-time defense over here with the Ravens where Hall of Famers Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, uh, Terrell Suggs. I mean, that that team could get after it. Um, they also had a... So I was Nada um, on that team in the middle? Who was in the middle of that team as a, as a 3-4 nose guard? I feel like Nada was later on for them. Probably. They had McAllister, maybe, a cornerback who was really talented for them for a number of years, too. That's the name that sticks out to me. Um, but, yeah, that's true. There's different ways to skin a cat, but uh, tried and true method. Franchise quarterback, things can get done. Um, but uh, And we have Jeff coming back in here, too, saying, I'm really excited about the offensive line play this year. And he says, he can't believe he's saying that. And I am as well. Um, somebody asked earlier, um, I think it might have been Peter, saying, is there any position on this team that you are concerned about um, as far as talent goes? And uh, I think the Broncos are a little bit athletically limited at the linebacker position. Now, that's fine for how the scheme is run and the position in general. But the one that scares me a heck of a lot is the offensive tackle play. And I've always been a proponent of uh, patience with Garrett Bowles, but the depth behind him is lacking. Let's just put it that way. And that's true for many teams, but um, man, if Bowles goes down, knock on wood, uh, I am the, off that the house of cards could fall down. Well, and Nick, we had a, we had a question earlier in here. And if, if someone wanted to repeat it, we can highlight it, but it was, you know, what do you think is the worst position on the roster? And in my, my first thought from a, 50,000 feet looking out, would, would it be right tackle? Is that the position that scares okay. you the most or, or, or quarterback? You know, that's, or is, is that the one that scares you the most? Wh- which position scares you the most as a, as a, as a, a Broncos guy and Broncos fans? Uh, I have to put quarterback in a box because it probably makes up like 30, one third, pers- uh, one third of the entire outcome of how good your team is, right? If you're doing a formula, like quarterback would be 33.3%. And that's just, Oh, that's too much. No, it's not. Um, but uh, that's uh, that's the one that uh, outside of quarterback, I would say it's probably the tackle position. And I'll put left tackle in there too. I'm great. I feel great about Gary Bulls this season. Um, but the depth and right tackle, if Bulls goes down, man, this uh, especially with the way Shermer calls offense, where it's a lot of uh, five man protections, you need two tackles that can hang. That would be disastrous. Um, just calling it as it is. We got Dale coming in here with a $5 super over on YouTube. Thank you so much, Dale. We appreciate you. We see you and a uh, happy birthday. Uh, Dale says turned 61 yesterday. So I've been a Broncos fan for over 50 years. A uh, drew or Teddy starting means it's the first time in years. I can feel comfortable with the number two quarterback, probably dating all the way back to, uh, maybe Brian greasy or Bubby Brister. Uh, <laughs> unless Bobby. you think you were comfortable with, uh, uh, Tim Tebow and Kyle Orton, but, uh, not me, not me, buddy. Um, but, uh, that's a good comment, Dale. And as I've said many times on here and Scott likes to say as well, you brought in Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe he's not going to be the end. I'll be all for this position, but you really raised the floor of the room and that gives you options. If things do not go exactly as you hope for drew lock. And that can only be seen as a good thing. It, it, it means that your, your floor, uh, how many losses you could have this year, I would say has, uh, has lowered significantly. It's it's kind of it's almost like uh, what's the word you know, damning with faint praise or is is that how the phrase goes something like that, where yeah. uh, it's like you know we don't get much worse at the number two spot because our number one's not that great you know it, so but no I, I get what you're saying you're hoping that the play elevates and then you're mm-hmm. good with both of them but right now there's such a question you're like well we might not be getting great play out of our number one and our number two is not much better but again. It's, it shouldn't be as bad. I was just reading some of the comments from, from uh, Shermer, you know, just saying, well, you know, what, what, are the, what are your big goals? You know, it's what we've been talking about is eliminating the negative plays. You know, yes, get more explosive. Um, and Sutton's going to help with that. Everything, and Jerry Judy coming back is going to help with that. Um, 
but it's eliminating the negative plays. To me, mm-hmm. that's that's the key to this one. With everything else in place, it's you just need a game manager. You need somebody that's going to shepherd this game through. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's and I think you, Shermer had a press conference yesterday where he talked about uh, quarterbacks minimizing mistakes quarterbacks that uh their mistakes that they're not as impactful like there's a difference between like let's say it's third and 16 and you throw an interception 40 yards down the field versus it's first and 10 on the opponent's 30 and you throw a pick six right like not every interception is made the same even though they show up the same on the stat sheet um so those comments to me uh make me think that uh hints vaguely at Bridgewater potentially having the the leg up right now, but um, then Vic Fangio says we're only one to three percent through the quarterback battle, kind of like what we've been saying going on. Um, I think that probably you'll see it get up to ten percent once a mid mandatory minicamp is over and the coaches have a chance to go back over the film and review it. Um, so he, I think that's a little bit uh, somewhat of a dishonest comment there from Vic because the play itself has. We've already had a good chunk of, well, we will have a good chunk of play at that point, um, but they haven't reviewed it and gone over the tape meticulously because they're focused on running the camp right now. Um, but uh, we'll see. Uh, Malcolm Brown coming in with the 199 Super over on YouTube. And guys, if you're joining us on YouTube today, please like, subscribe, and share. Also, if you're over on YouTube, go check out Scott's page, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott Kennedy. And I'm going to drop his link in the comment section here. You guys can just click that. Head on over there. Um, but uh, Malcolm's question saying, which wide receiver will draw the most defensive pass interferences? Scott, what do you think? Good good Broncos receiving room. A lot of different body types, a lot of different skill uh, skill sets. Who's going to draw the most defensive pass interferences? The most physical guy. The one that, the one that requires the, the least separation to be open. The one that's going to be in contact the most. So it's it's got to be Sutton. Cortland, yeah. Cortland Sutton's got to be your answer because – you you might not not for holding. Now that's a different question. Who's going to mm-hmm. draw the most holding calls? Then you're talking about guys with a quick separation who are speed guys. But the guys that are basically offensive rebounders, which are your big receivers, I, I go with Sutton on that one. And then I'd go with someone like Jerry Judy for the defensive holding calls. Automatic first down either way, but one's uh, one's going to add a little bit more yards for you. Yeah, I think uh, if I have any critique on Sutton, it's that he's too much of a boss in the air. And sometimes he needs to uh, work on his, uh, you know, like I'm getting bumped. Uh, like, you know, like the, I get it Sutton. You're big and strong in the air and we don't well, want to get to soccer flopping, but uh, you're, you're, you're right. You're right on that because sometimes, you know, if, if it's seen as that's your game that you're going to bump and be physical, then you don't, you don't get the calls as much. So I, I, I agree with you on that. And so sometimes you got to sell it just a little bit. Yeah. Yep, 100%. Um, and happy birthday, Dale. Everybody say happy birthday in the comment section to Dale. Uh, Peter's kicking us off here. I think Buana did as well, but uh, we'll get it here. And we got Michael coming in here saying, Drew Locke is my quarterback, and he was putting in the work this offseason to get better, to be the best quarterback he can be for the Denver Broncos. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. And go Broncos. And you guys will hear me say this. You've heard me say it all offseason. I'm definitely critical of Drew Locke. I'm not grading him on a curve in any way because I know, A, that this team is good to go, and B, Historically speaking, the quarterback by year two, year three, you kind of know what they're going to be. Like they've shown you who they are, believe them. Um, so uh, Drew Lock getting a shot this year, that's great. And the fan in me is pulling for Drew Lock to win. But I'm also, I put that fan hat away in 2016, analyst now. Um, so I'm going to be critical and uh, hope for the best there. And a Drew Lock winning is the best thing that can happen. But uh, I'm not going to sit there and let my, my biases cloud me and uh, influence what I see and what I say. Uh, he's got to play better last year. I think we can all agree he was a bottom five quarterback last year. 
it's got to be better. And, um, and, and, and Nick, he said that as much this week. Yes. Yeah. You know, we, we wouldn't be talking about Aaron Rodgers if we'd gone out and won 10, 11, 12 games. And it was the same thing your center said, Cushenberry said about that. Yep. And that's a great mentality. I love it. You I love to. that mentality. It's like, listen, if I had taken care of my business, it wouldn't even be an issue. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> I love that mentality. It's the, it's the realism and accountability. It's a, uh, takes me back to Harry S. Truman saying, you know, the buck stops here. That's exactly what you want. You need some, uh, accountability, uh, self-accountability too. So you'll love that. You're always looking to get better. And if, if players out there making excuses, being flippant, that's a red flag. That would be a concern for me. Um, and uh, we see some people saying Judy's going to win it. We see some people like Gary Palmer saying a uh, Cortland Sutton being the guy who draws the most DPIs. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I think also, um, we do want to give a shout out to Tim Patrick as well, right? A big player down the field. He can get, he has some speed as well. Straight line, maybe not the most, uh, just cause he's six, five, how momentum works farther from the ground, um, higher center of gravity. But, uh, I, I, my gut tells me that most of the, the pass interference calls happen on the, on the edges. They happen wide. A lot yeah. of the, a lot of the holding stuff happens in the middle. So you know, for, a, for a pass interference, you know, or, you know, if you're running a, a deep seam route or deep in the middle, but a lot of the pass interference calls happen downfield because before that it's going to be holding. So that's where I go with the, the outside guys uh, for mm-hmm. something like that. And the guys that are inherently going to be more physical in their catches. So that's, that's why I go something on that one. Yes. Um, we got slide and glide bros coming in here, asking a good question. Um, who will be the Broncos surprise player this year? Um, this is an interesting one. Um, I think I'm going to give one on offense and defense just to, uh, just to have some fun and give you guys some uh, variety here. Um, a surprise player. I don't know if he's going to be much of a surprise, but uh, I agree with Peter here. Actually, I think Noah Fant is going to absolutely bust out this season. I think it's still a quarterback dependent position. So the quarterback position struggling, your pass catchers are always going to be capped. Um, but uh, I think Noah Fant is going to be a top. Now I'm just gonna say, I think, I think he's got a great chance to be a top five tight end in football this year. Um, he's 23 years old, third year in the league. Um, he has pretty much every tool in the book. Um, he's improved every single year as a pass blocker. Um, and my biggest question is how's is he going to be in the contested areas of the field? Um, which is something that he struggled with sometimes at Iowa. He was just so fast that he'd have like five yards, six yards of separation. So he never really actually had to make many catches in like traffic. Um, but he has to do that in the NFL and uh, it's improved every year, but that's an area I want to see him get better. Um, but man, I think a basketball Fant- player, I, I'm guessing he probably was so see a basketball player. He did. He played basketball in uh, Omaha and then uh, so went to the we, university. of Iowa. When we talk about well-rounded athletes and, and playing basketball is when you're rebounding is catching the ball in traffic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely what that is. So having a basketball background is going to help him with that. I love when I'm scouting players, I love multi-sport athletes because there's something you can take from every single sport that you learn and get better on the sport that you choose. So catching the ball in traffic, big guy like that, I guarantee you he was banging bodies and catching the ball with offensive rebounds. So that would be something similar along those lines. Um, and for my, my question, it's always a caveat. It's like, well, what would you consider a surprise to the average Bronco fan that a, a first, or even if he was a first round guy to the average Bronco fan, how many of them know, we all know who Patrick Sertan is. But, you know, out of two million Bronco fans out there, do, are they really paying attention until the, you know, the first week? So, you know, I, I think Sertan isn't going to surprise anybody that's watching this, but I think he's going to open some eyes around the league of, yeah. of somebody that can be just really, really good. And then you're hoping that Drew Locke is the answer. Yeah. You're hoping Drew Locke is the guy that surprises you and steps up. That's the biggest yeah. hope. 
Um, and, you know, when we had, we did a show on this as for surprise players. And I was like, I'll make the case for Drew Locke. And I compared his first 18 games as a starter and his la- to, to Josh Allen. His last 12 games where he was only about five or six percentage points off of a rating that you needed to be in the middle of the pack. He jumps up to the middle of the pack. It's going to be a very good type of, of progression. Yeah. Good call on my other surprise player. I feel like I would say Draymond Jones, but a lot of people in Broncos country are excited for what Draymond Jones can be this year. It looked like he was a player that looked like he was going to bust out last year until he got dinged up. Um, but uh, people are, I think people are really sleeping on Ronald Darby. Um, really talented player. The Bron- Vic Fangio, after they signed him, saying he was our number one target in free agency, not on our own team. Um, and the Broncos obviously still brought Kyle Fuller. Everybody knows who Kyle Fuller is. They drafted Patrick, Patrick Sertan ninth overall. Bryce Callahan was great last year. You don't pay Ronald Darby that much money and uh, to not play him, right? Like, so I think Darby is one who, even Broncos country, the NFL at whole, I mean, are they, do they know cornerbacks that aren't like the studs like Jalen Ramsey? You know, you have a lot of average fans out there. That's fine. Not everybody can be a psychopath um, like us. But uh, Ronald Darby is one that I think people are not talking about right now. And as long as he can stay healthy, he's really talented. I think he's only 28 years old still, which is crazy. That just shows how young he was when he came into the league. And he still should have three to four more years of good athletic very, ability. Very different than some of these double holdbacks who enter the league at 23 years old. Um, yeah. And they're out there. Yep. You know, they, they are out there. Um, how about Cortland Sutton? How many yeah. people forgot about him? How many people around the league as other fans really know how good he can be? Yeah. That's one for sure. In the league wide scope, uh, people are not uh, probably appreciative of how talented Cortland Sutton is. I mean, he went in the second round, um, so that's one thing, you know, he didn't have the hype. He didn't go to a big program, went to SMU and also the Broncos quarterback plays. I mean, his best games were with uh, Brandon Allen. Some of his best games were with Brandon Allen, for God's sake. Um, but uh, Cortland Sutton, Bronco fans would not be surprised by him. I feel like uh, a lot of tweets are how excited they are to have uh, Cortland Sutton back. I mean, I even said, like, I had a tweet a couple weeks ago where it's like, if uh, Bridgewater is a starter, I think Jerry Judy emerges as the number one uh, option on the offense. And if it's Drew Locke, it'll be Cortland Sutton. And a lot of people are like, it's going to be Cortland Sutton no matter what. I think a lot of people are sour on uh, Jerry Judy's uh, rookie year, which sounds like he's absolutely killing it in mandatory minicamp. So everybody just just be patient. Wide receivers typically take their their first years up and down. The second year, you really find out what they're made of. Same thing with Cortland Sutton. I think he dropped like 50% of his balls his rookie season. So don't worry too much. Um, but uh Colton Sutton is definitely one. Uh, is there a player in the league that uh, Colton Sutton reminds you of? Like uh, as far as his uh, comparison coming out to put you on the spot? Yeah. Um, uh, big receivers, you know, you start going to, and I start going to old guys, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, somebody, somebody like that with that type of size. Um, there's so, there's so many of the, the I love the big receivers. How about AJ Brown, you know, Tennessee Titans. I didn't realize how good he was until yeah. I started looking him up. I mean, he's got five straight through college and, and, and NFL, he's got five straight thousand yard years, yep. three or, you know, two in, or four straight two and finish out with two in college and yep. two in uh, two in the NFL as a rookie. So that's, that's pretty solid. So he's a, a bit, not overly big, but physical, you know, six, one, six, two, 220 pounds. Yep. So, you know, guys like that, DK Metcalf, Peter, it's a, a, a good shout. Um, I would say Allen Robinson is my biggest comparison for him because uh, Corlin Sutton doesn't, run away from dudes, but he's very sudden and his ability to play above the rim is uh, pretty damn incredible. The, the and body control and balance and hands are just the things that you can't, you can't measure, but you know, if you, you, you know it when you see it. Yeah, absolutely. And we got uh Boana coming in here saying, uh, what about the rookie tight end from Iowa? Um, yeah, Sean Byer, shout out to Sean Byer, uh, go Hawks for multiple reasons, but uh, probably number one, my 
my favorite experience of Sean Byer is uh, my buddy and I, we went up and drove to Madison, Wisconsin. Have you ever been to Madison? God, what a gorgeous city. Wouldn't want to live there in January, but um, man, love Madison. Uh, we drove up there. We got a case of uh, New Glarus and uh, Sean Byer's mom invited us to their tailgate and gave us food. And God bless her for that because I don't know if I make it through the game without her feeding us, but um, Sean Byer's mom, shout out to her. Um, but a uh, funny little story there. Sean Byer, he's been making a lot of, uh, a lot of moves um, so far in uh, rookie mini camp and stuff um, as far as the undrafteds go. And the Broncos tight end position, we're talking about tackle earlier, saying like, we don't know about the depth there behind bowls, blah, blah, blah. Same thing with a uh, tight end, right? Like after Noah Fant, we still are waiting to see how healthy Albert Okwebenam is going to be. There really isn't a shoe in for the tight end position. I mean, you got Austin Fort, you got, uh, gosh, um, the tight ends escaping me, Andrew Beck, who's kind of an H-back tight end. There's a spot for a undrafted free agent, and uh, Sean Byer might make it. And it's not just because he's a Hawkeye playing um, from a uh, tight end U over there in uh, Iowa City. So uh, we'll see, but uh, that's that's you, definitely you, a good shot. You, I start twitching. Yeah, <laughs> I, start, I start twitching like that. Like for me, it's it's I, I'm it's uh it's still Miami Hurricanes. But they, how how long have they been? When was the last one that came out for them? Was it was it Jimmy Smith? What was uh? Yeah, David and Joku. What now? David and Joku. He's been a bust for a first. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, maybe. But for me, you know, tight end, tight end, you was uh, was the you. So yeah. that's a while. They haven't been relevant in a long time down that's, there, which is just insane. That's what Iowa's got. So I got to dunk on it when I can. Yeah. I mean, if you no, got, I still think of them off, off, offensive line. You know, offensive line. I that's still, yeah. I still think of, when I think Iowa, I think offensive line. Yep, it's been tight end recently though. George Kittle, Noah Fant, T.J. Hawkinson. That's a that's about as good of a trio as you can find in the league right now. For some reason, they still can't get the four-star, five-star tight end recruits, but uh, is what it is. Always going to Penn State or Michigan or something. Come on, guys. What are you doing? Beat them. Um, just beat yeah. them. I've said a zillion times. There's something to be said for guys that are just below that level that you can keep for four or five years. Yeah, true. You know, As opposed to the three and outs aren't going to be as good. They're not going to be as good for the program uh, yeah. over the long haul. Uh, Albert Knoppers on Facebook has a has a good question here. It says, do you think uh, Quinn Miners has a shot as a starter? Uh, this is something we've addressed before, and and Cushenberry said the same thing. He's like, they, you know, if I had done my job better, then uh, they probably wouldn't have drafted him. Do I think he has a shot at a starter? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and not just at center. I think he could fill in at guard too. And over the course of the season, somebody's probably going to get hurt. Seventeen game season. So will he def- end up as a default starter? Yes, I would expect Quinn Miners to start a game before the season is out. Does he beat somebody out? Maybe he could, but it's 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 pushing those guys to be better, which is what you want. Yeah, it is, it is interesting. A lot of people are talking Miners versus Cushenberry because Miners is getting a shot at, uh, sounds like getting a shot at center. Um, but I am also very curious to see uh, Miners versus Natane Moody, um, who's a position battle that a lot of people aren't talking about. I mean, Miners, the first time he ever snapped a football in a uh, scrimmage or practice setting was uh, at the Senior Bowl. He played left guard um, for Minnesota or uh, Wisconsin Whitewater. So, uh what does that mean for a Dalton Reisner? What does that mean for a Graham Glasgow? And then you already have Natane Moody last year who uh, flashed in the Carolina game. He still has a lot to work on in the um, the past game, um, but man, he is a powerful son of a gun. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what the, the roster math turns out as far as the, uh, the interior offensive line. I feel very good about the interior offensive line tackle position, not as good, um, but uh, that's a position that uh, this team, they're going to make an investment there next year at some point, whether that be bringing in a veteran or uh, signing uh, or drafting a player early. And I think the Broncos probably would have prioritized it more if they had known in hindsight what would happen with Juwan James. Um, but uh, they had a big investment there. Also, Broncos got sniped 
and I've talked to multiple people to get this confirmed. The Broncos got sniped three times for tackles in the NFL draft this last year. They were going to take Brady Christensen in the top of the third round. He goes to the Carolina Panthers one pick before Broncos trade back. Uh, they were going to take uh, Spencer Brown um, with that first pick that they got Ooh. in the trade back. Uh, yeah, your guy, Spencer Brown, you and I, now Buffalo Bill. Um, they, were, they were set to take uh, Spencer Brown instead of Quinn Miners, who they still love Quinn Miners. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's not a shout, uh, not a negative to any of the players they didn't to end up taking, but that's just kind of how the draft works. You got to pivot when uh, it doesn't fall how you want exactly on your board. Um, so, like the Broncos probably had Trevor Lawrence number one overall. Oh, he didn't make it to nine, so you have to change. Um, but uh, so they were going to take Spencer Brown, um, and he got picked three picks before, I think, so. They pivot, take Quinn Miners, and they're also going to take uh, Tommy Doyle with the second pick in the fifth round, and he ends up also going to the Buffalo Bills. Um, they took two tackles. What's going on there, Buffalo? Edges and tackles this draft. I don't I don't hate it. Value positions. Um, but uh, three tackles that the Broncos were set to take didn't work out that way. Um, is what it is sometimes, uh, but uh, that's, that's life. So that's a position of need going into next year. It's a first-round uh, value position. So we'll see. And Scott, one of my favorite things that I've picked up from you since we've been doing this show is your talk about there are hundreds of thousands of guys who are six, two, six, three, 300 pounds, the six foot five to six foot six guys that have 33 and a half plus inch arm length yeah. rare. And that's why guys like LaRaven Clark and the like get drafted in the third round, even though their tape is terrible because there's only so many people in the world that have that body type. Well, And, and that's why the guards come from everywhere. Yep. You know, that's why they, because they, they, they develop a little bit differently, a little bit slower and it takes a little bit longer to separate the guys that are that are that don't have necessarily physical attributes separation. You know, when you when you look at a stat sheet, you're going to see thousands of six. It sounds crazy, but of six three, between six two and a half and six four, three hundred pound to three hundred thirty pound guys, they're everywhere. Yeah, um, as crazy as that sounds, because that's still freaking huge. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they're they're everywhere. So it's they're they're not necessarily priorities. It's What's like the, the, same the real, the real crazy ones are the ones that are that size that can play tackle. You know, two of them came out of, came out of the, uh, the state of Alabama. You got Kendall Simmons who played at Auburn ended up being a guard. He was a, he was a left or right tackle at Auburn and ended up playing a long time with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then Andre Smith, who's the best high school offensive lineman I've ever seen and got picked in the top five by the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, when I saw him as a senior, I said, this guy starts at Alabama right now as a senior in high school, he starts right now. Now this was Shula's, Alabama team in you know 2005 this is when Nick Saban's Alabama team and guess what he went in at 6'3 320 pounds and was a left tackle starter at Alabama right when he got there so those are the ones that are the true the the true uh anomalies yeah yeah those guys I mean the NFL is a uh, the way the draft process work which is not always famous is that you start at the top and you start taking uh what what limits this guy? Why should I devalue him? And then you arm length, body size, you know, three cone stuff like 10 yard split on the 40, all that stuff just kind of knocks him down, knocks him down. So it's kind of, you don't start at the base and build up. You kind of start at the top and okay, what's, what's wrong. And then you look at them at least for me. And then it's like, okay, what do they do? Well, yeah. And the difference could be this much, you know, just just tiny. And that can be changed by the human element, you know, over the course of, you know, this, this guy, you know, this guy has, his mom died. You know, and all of a sudden he was a bust. So the, the, the stuff that you can't factor for, you try and do everything you can when you're scouting these guys. But then there's the human element. How much drive does he have? Um, is he does he st- what kind of is he st- typically by the time they're NFL, they're not going to grow anymore. But, you know, those are those are kind of you want to meet the parents when you're talking about that. You know, how, how big's dad? How big's mom? Is there is there any upside left in these guys? So, 
it's uh, but yeah, the, the difference when you're when you're dr- putting a draft board, it can be a flip of a coin for some of these guys. Um, but then where they are five years later could be drastically different because of the human element. Yep, absolutely, and that's something you can. You evaluate these guys the best you can, especially from where we sit, but there's stuff that we're never going to get right because they are human beings. Things happen. Um, Some guys grow up. Some guys get money and uh, power and make bad decisions. So uh, (laughs) you never know, right? We can't predict the future as much as anybody. And if any GM could, uh, they'd never be fired and they'd be winning Super Bowls year after year, right? Tom Brady wouldn't go in the sixth, that kind of thing. Um, So uh, Peter Middleton coming back in here over in Turkey. Uh, hope you're doing well, Peter. Hopefully it's uh, not as hot over there as it is over here. Um, will we ever see a healthy Vaughn and Chubb playing together? I sadly don't see it happening. Peter, it's a good vibe. Good vibes Thursday. Come on. We need to see Vaughn and Chubb together, especially with how good this um, defensive backfield looks this year. Um, will the Broncos be able to play with a lead? Will the offense be average or better? That remains to be seen. That could really even further unleash the duo of Vaughn and Chubb. But the, the way this defense is set up right now, outside of like crazy athleticism at the linebacker position or like a top five interior pass rusher, which I mean, I love Shelby Harris, love Draymond Jones. Neither of those guys are like Fletcher Cox, um, Chris Jones, the uh, DeForest Buckner, like that, that's fine. Um, and I'm not going to say Aaron Donald cause he's in a case of his own. Um, but, uh, that those are the only things on the defense that could further unleash Von and Chubb, but these two together this year, I'm really excited. Um, you should be able to do a lot with them. And, uh, something that Fangio historically loves to do is not blitz. He can blitz this year cause he has the depth in the secondary, I think. But, uh, when you have Vaughn and Chubb, two guys who are one-on-one breakers, as far as one-on-one winners, that helps everything. And you can do so much more on defense. And as uh, Scott, I'll leave it to you. Uh, what's the best way to stop a pass game? <laughs> Put the quarterback on his ass. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, man, that's pass rush, man. I'm, I know that some analytics people have started to push more towards coverage versus pass rush, but uh, I think coverage is way too volatile year to year. It's more dependent on depth and uh pass rush. If you can get dominant pass rushers, those guys tend to be great year after year well, after and, year. And Nick, it goes hand in hand. If I can yeah. get pressure with four, then I've got eight and then I got seven in coverage. Then I have good coverage. Mm-hmm. So if my front four, you know, it can, can get pressure. I'm a good defense. I'm going to be a good defense. So they, they go hand in hand. They're not complete. They're not, they're not separate. It's, you know, if it's like, oh, you get a pass rush, but I had to do six to do it, then you don't have a pass rush. Yep. You can overwhelm the offensive line, but if you're sending sending six guys out to the quarterback, then you're you're exposed in the back. So there's a there's a, a qualification in there when we're when we're talking about a pass rush. So to me, a, a good pass rush is four guys. If you can get pressure on a quarterback with four guys, you're going to be a dangerous defense. I promise you that. That's that was my biggest takeaway from the Super Bowl this year. I've never seen Patrick Mahomes harassed, assaulted as much as he was in that game. And now granted part of it was the chief's offensive line, but you know what makes the linebackers jobs really easy. And the secondary's job really easy when Patrick Mahomes has to run. I think, gosh, it was like 150 yards from like snap to where he was. They tracked him because he was running for his life. He had the well, passers was killing him. And what you, you hate to prevent defense, you know, when you can't get a pressure pressure with four, and you're just rushing with four and they're just standing up and they're exhausted. And then the quarterback sits there and works his way down the field. But it's even more fun is when you're watching the Atlanta Falcons and they're trying to come back and they're sacking your quarterback with a three-man rush. Oh. <laughs> That's even more fun to watch. No, not really. Well, I did see Pro Football Focus list uh, Chris Lindstrom as one of the top 25 and under or under 25 players in the NFL, but left Bradley Chubb off the list. So uh, 
I guess the Broncos should you if you want Bradley Jubb for Chris Lindstrom, according to Pro Football Focus, would that be a good trade for your Falcons? Yeah, yeah, I'd, God, I'd make that move. That was dumb. <laughs> that one bothered me, obviously. Um, Steve Hearn coming in here saying, "Good morning, guys. Great show. I keep telling my Charger fan brother that Locke and the Broncos will have a better year than Herbert and the Chargers. Am I crazy for thinking that?" Um, Steve, if you could swap Locke for Herbert right now, this Broncos team is winning twelve games. That's how good Herbert is in my opinion. And uh, that means the chargers are going to be an issue for years to come, but uh, the chargers are making a pretty drastic shift um, in defensive philosophy. It's a team that has holes across the defense, especially their defensive line. Not impressive outside of Joey Bosa, not a big fan of their cornerback depth either. I love uh, Asante Samuel jr, but it takes three to four corners uh, to get it done out there. And um, I think you guys will be good this year. Also the offensive line, you added a lot, but a lot of times offensive line takes time to gel. Um, so I think you guys will be good this year as long as the Chargers are not you guys. Your brother's team will be good this year, but the Broncos' overall talent outside of the quarterback position laps the Chargers, I believe. Yeah, and, and Steve, I'd go, these aren't mutually exclusive. Um, yeah. Justin Herbert could have a better year and the Broncos could have a better year. So there, there, there's a there's a, a push in there if you're if you're betting on that. You know, you don't have to hit the the, the two on the parlay. You can you can end up with a push on that one. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a man. It's, it's really a bummer though. I was looking at, they had a next gen stats, put out a statistical graph the other day where it was like quarterbacks and how good they are EPA per play in non-garbage time versus garbage time. And uh, all, it was crazy. All three of the are the AFC West quarterbacks and Teddy Bridgewater were so much better in non-garbage time than they were garbage time, which makes me think that like, uh Oh, these quarterbacks are actually really good they're, and not, also they're not just stat padding or yes. coming in yes. from behind or yeah we're down 28-0 yeah we threw for 400 yards just because we were losing by four touchdowns after 20 minutes yep and uh, that made me a little nervous I know that there seems to be a really dichotomous opinion on Derek Carr I think Derek Carr is a pretty darn good quarterback he's never going to be top five but top 15 to top 10 um he can get it done with a good team around him. It's just the Raiders have had the 32nd best defense the last three years. And some of those franchises are, it's, it's like, I don't, I don't really judge anybody with the red, you know, the Washington football team either. I mean, their, their franchise is a circus and it always has been, it's been that way since Schneider took over. So, you know, how do you make a judgment on somebody like that when they're playing with the Raiders or, or the Washington football team where they're, the, the franchise is always in flux. It's, it's tough. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I want to get a, a second look, third look, fourth look, and try and take those guys and put them in a vacuum because their surroundings aren't exactly conducive to being really good. Yep. And uh, let's get a few more comments before we run out of here, unless any super tra- uh, super chats come down the track and keep us on the line. Um, Corey Johnson coming in here over on YouTube. Uh, having four good defensive backs is great when you can play with the lead and force the other team to throw. But if you are behind and they are running two of those DBs cut off, um, I hear what you're saying there, Corey. It's it's pretty much the same thing, right? If you play with a lead, you kind of can dictate what the other team is doing. It's Tampa Bay was able to do that last year, and it meant it was a lot more obvious passes. Uh, the play action is not as uh, effective because, like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna the you're gonna run it on me, psych. It's kind of like the thing where somebody like pump faked the ball at Kobe Bryant's head, and he just sat there and looked at him, right? It's like oh, you're running the ball. Okay, please do. That'd be great. Uh, take the run down the clock. That would be awesome. Um, so we'll see here. And, oh, and speaking of a uh, coming down the tracks here, last minute super chat. We got Mac 85 city saying, I can't wait to watch live, but I'll listen on my way home. Keep it up guys. I hit the like button already. And you guys, if you want to be cool like Mac, 
not only helping us with the super chat, but also hit the like button on the way out. We're at 25 right now. 25 is near and dear to my heart. I was a big Mark McGuire fan growing up. When is him for Halloween? Um, Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones too. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, Kenroy Kennedy, maybe for the Broncos as well at safety. Um, but uh, yeah, we appreciate you very much, Mac. Thank you very much for supporting us. And uh, Buana with an interesting comment here. Um, just I NFL cannot NFL. read a WFT without thinking, you know what I'm thinking. I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. We didn't talk about the best front four. Why are we getting called out on this? Oh, wait. Washington football team. I, I can't read it. I, I just can't. Yeah. It's a, uh, I don't know if you've seen the teams. I would love them to go to Washington football club. That would be fun just for the mm-hmm. soccer side of things. Um, and I think that's the cool way to call it. Um, but uh, is our, is Washington, does Washington have the best front four? I think that's a yes. Uh, Chase Young, uh, Ionitis, uh, Montez Sweat, uh, the, they lost Ryan Kerrigan, uh, John Allen. Um, man, that's, that's a talented front four. That's a team that as long as Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't turning the ball over, like uh, giving away candy at Halloween, that team can do some things. Uh, but uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's kind of got a uh, little bit of a gunslinger in him. He's kind of like a, he's a more consistent uh, Drew Locke, who right now I think that's probably the most likely positive outcome for Drew Locke's career is uh, becoming a uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick type of quarterback. Um, but uh, we'll he's see. Been a long time. Was he 38 years old now or something? He's made a good living, that's for sure. Yeah, then that's relatively that's a good outcome. Uh, not a franchise quarterback, but somebody who like I think last year big time throws. It was Ryan Fitzpatrick or Drew Locke, but also like some of the highest rate of turnover worthy plays. So here's your sign. Um, but uh, what do you think? The uh, the best pass rush, best front four in football? Washington. I'm going to pass on that one. I, I, I let you take that one. So well, talk to me again in December. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Chase Young, second year. Jonathan mm-hmm. Allen's probably one of the most slept on defensive tackles in football. They're really talented. Um, Chase Young, if I could, if there was a uh, league wide redraft right now and I couldn't take quarterbacks, Chase Young would probably be number two on my board overall only behind miles Garrett. Um, and then, uh, Nick Bosa right behind him, but Nick Bosa has the two, injuries. So two former number one defensive ends in the recruiting rankings for those of you that don't believe in stars, you know, what I, what I, one of the lines I use on that is like, listen, it's not an evaluation contest. The guy at Georgia Southern might be a better evaluator of talent than the guy at Georgia. Georgia's going to sign a better draft class. Cause if you're not our recruiting class, cause if you're not getting the type of guys that an idiot like me that can pick out on the field, then you're going to lose to the teams that are getting guys like that. <laughs> yeah. Especially for positions like edge rusher, uh, wide receiver, offensive backs. tackle, running yeah. backs. Yeah. Quarterback, that like. quarterback can make a big difference. That one goes hit and miss. Yeah. And then the, the, the offensive line is a, is a developed position. Yep. Exactly. Um, in fact, you're better off sometimes getting a three-star guy that you can keep for five years than the three-star mm-hmm. guy, the five-star guy that's only there for three. Yep. Exactly. But uh, those guys that have the God-given gifts, you know, it just is what it is. One the one the genetic lottery, so to speak. But guys, Skill players are born, linemen are built. Exactly. Uh, well, guys, that's going to do it for us. Unless any super chats come down the tracks. Um, I'll have Scott watch that for while I'm running through us out the uh, the post credits here. But uh, that's going to do it for Broncos for breakfast today. Thank you guys so much for joining us uh, next week. I am going to be running solo. It'll probably be only a 30 to 40 minute show. Um, Scott's going to be off doing baseball stuff. I might um, jump so in the chat. I might I might jump in the chat and harass you. Troll me someplace because <laughs> uh, I won't be home and I can't guarantee that I'm going to be someplace quiet where I can even do audio. So I might just jump in the chat on YouTube with you guys and harass you a little bit that would be much much appreciated everybody else over at mile high huddle already gives me a high uh, hard time especially eric trickle who's a good friend of mine so uh you might as well just jump in the line there and uh be part of the crew there but you guys can follow us on twitter uh myself at nick kendall mhh and scott at scout kennedy while you're over on twitter also please follow our 
Mothership account at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Guys, go on over to YouTube. If I know not everybody's in a position where they can donate uh, super chats, that's fine. That's life. Um, but something you can do that's totally free. Please go to YouTube, Mile High Huddle, and subscribe, like, and share. That helps us a lot. Also, you can go over to Scott's page then while you're over on YouTube as well. YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott Kennedy. I'm going to drop in the chat right now as well. Um, his uh, auto sub, if you guys, uh, you all should be able to see that right now. Just click that link. It'll take you to Scott's page. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers here. Uh, hopefully, gosh, in the next month and a half. Um, we'll get there. I'll do, I'll do more on my part. You, uh, the, the, the Broncos family, and I, I got a bunch. I did a, did a Spencer Brown show with the Bills, and, mm. uh, and the Bills, I got a bunch there. So I need to do my part and step up my original content on that. Having so much fun doing this one, though, that uh, I, I end up focusing on Broncos instead of uh, other things. That, But I can do both. I can do Broncos on my channel as well, so – We'll uh, we'll see, but I appreciate the support. I, I see a lot of uh, a lot of notifications come through after every show. Yeah, guys, we appreciate you all very much and everything you're doing here. Um, and uh, guys, also if you're joining us, uh, like the show on YouTube. We're at 27 right now. That's a good number, at least on from what I see. Um, if you're on Facebook as well, please uh like, subscribe, and share or uh, like on Facebook as well. Share out the video. Uh, join us on Mile High Huddle uh, Super Fans Group on Facebook. And uh, guys, we're going to get on out of here. Let's say hello to everybody getting out of here. Um, we got Sean saying, great show. Enjoy your day. Mike Woodward saying, cheers. Mo Ron saying, thank you for the show. Greg always says hello, always says goodbye. Great podcast, fella. Greg, we, appre- we appreciate you. Um, Matt Henry in the house. Awesome show, guys. Have a good day. Uh, and a bunch of others. Buana still in the house. How you doing, Buana? Love you. Uh, slide and glide bros like the video. Um, thank you very much. Uh, Peter Middleton saying, I subscribe. There you go, Scott and slide and glide saying I'm subscribing right now. Peter Middleton also saying, do some Euro Scott, maybe later on. And everybody well, I should, I yeah, should, I, I, I love talking international football. Yeah. Uh, I watch all the games. I know all, most of the players. So we'll, if, if I could get, if, if you guys will, will join me because I don't want to just sit there and monologue for 30 minutes. So if you guys will join me, I will do it. I promise. And it'll be our show, not my show. Absolutely. It'll be fun. And also you guys can follow Scott for his Euro stuff over at Scott Kennedy FC. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I do. uh, I do. I do a a soccer because I got my, my account, big account was all about football. I'm like, I'm going to lose all of those subscribers if I start talking international football. So I just started a new channel, a new Twitter page. There you go. Well, guys, uh, thank you, everybody who joined us so much. If you're in some part of the world right now that is uh, burning with the heat, uh, stay safe, drink water, stay indoors, uh, be thankful that you have means to cool off, uh, hopefully. And uh, we appreciate everyone. We'll see. I'll, I will see you next Tuesday at 8 o'clock Mountain Time. Um, Jeremy coming in. There <laughs> so he is. There's Jeremy. We were missing. Okay? No. <laughs> well, Jeremy, hello and goodbye. Um, that's going to do it for us today, everybody. Uh, stay safe. Go Broncos.